Welcome to The Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of The Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Plan IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Welcome to the Concierge CPA. I have one of my favorite former students and coaches, Greg O'Brien, with us today. And Greg and I go back several years now. I still can't remember how we originally <laughs> met, although I've asked him this like eight times. I, th- I think it must be CTC World. Yes. Okay. So CTC, the year that I won CTC, the year maybe 2019. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's what it was. So I was at that conference. You followed up with me. And that's when I was like, I don't need this coaching thing. I'm good. (laughs) I played hard to get for a while. I'm like, I don't need this. And then I eventually saw the light and I said, I probably need some help. So that's, that's what happened. But it was the, I went to that 2019 conference. um, And I was just really starting at that time. And that's, that's where I think we met. Yeah. And then you became a runner up for CTC the year. Was that last year? Yeah. The next year. That was super cool. So that tells you a lot about your story and your journey because you were a brand new firm starting out really um, back. What what year was your firm founded? So we started, I started, I should say, because it was just me at that yeah. time in uh, October of 2018. So like the very end of 2018, I left. I was working in um, for a publicly traded real estate company and more of real estate investment work. And I left there, had a nice soft landing because they, if you ever worked for a large company, they can't hire fast. So they, they kind of kept me as a contractor for the first couple of months. So I had a nice soft landing to working for myself. So I really, you know, January of 19 is when we really started uh, getting going seriously that, that January tax season. Yeah. But so let's not be humble though, because, (laughs) well, I don't mind not being humble, but I know a lot of people don't like to talk about these kind of details. This is something I really like about you. You've been really transparent about your path and how successful your firm has been. And so every time I can pick your ear about something, I take, you know, the opportunity to do so because uh, you went from zero to where are we at now with your revenue and employees and everything? So, yeah, I mean, I was actually trying to look back at like the year over year stuff, but so started at zero or we didn't acquire, we just started ground up. And I think, I think one of the best things that happened, I think it's funny. I do have this, like I sat in a cafe here in Boston in a uh, summer of 18, I wrote out a whole business plan because I had to prove it. I was going to have to prove it to myself and prove it to my family that this is going to work. Right. And like, I came from when I worked in public, I worked at, like a medium firm tax return mill. And I'm like, I need 750 tax return clients in the next three years to do this. And I'm like, that's the only way I can do it. And I'm like, yeah. the numbers still didn't look great. I'm like, I'll have a couple hundred thousand. The, the best thing that actually happened to me was early on learning about CTC because like I started learning about the whole value pricing model and I just pivoted right away, which was great. So that was kind of my my mindset shift. I luckily had that happen in the first like four or five months of starting. So yeah, started at zero, grew naturally. So this year we're on pace, should hit 3 million this year. So we did a little over 2 million in 2022. 
million, you know, and no big deal. <laughs> hoping aggress- aggressive growth this year, but we have, I have the, I have the, uh, the math to get to 3 million. So that's the plan. Um, so we'll, we'll keep growing and growing aggressively. I like kind of the natural acquisition, the natural um, progression. I'm not, I've never really thought about acquisitions or anything like that. I think that then the natural lead flow and sales process is strong enough right now that we don't need, we don't need to do that. And I also don't, I'm not interested in buying, you know, other, other problems. Right. So I want to kind of form this my own way. And if it slows down, it slows down. Um, but you know, we'll keep kind of, you know, growing at this pace if we can. Yeah, for sure. And then how many staff do you have now? So we have, uh, 18 us staff, and then we have about six offshore. So we have two in India. So one is operations staff, one is tax. And then we have, uh, the rest in the Philippines, which is three bookkeepers, one tax staff. And I am a big supporter of that model. I've learned a lot more about in the last 18 months, I'd say. The the uh, India staff are through an uh, offshoring agency. And Philippines, from some different people we've networked with in, in, in industry and small business, we actually went direct hire route. So we've hired them directly with no middleman, which has been interesting. And it's been a learning curve, but it's been great so far. And we'll continue to grow that way. So um that we've actually kind of shifted that model a little bit, but it's working well and we'll keep growing there, especially for bookkeeping support. Tax support's harder to find, but if you have patience and time, I think you know there's there are enough CPAs that are looking to learn tax um in the offshore model. So yeah, that's right now. And we'll probably be at about, I'd say 30 by the end of the year. Okay. Very cool. So <clears throat> let's talk about your journey here so far. Um, you've always been really passionate, uh, about what you've done. What, how, what are you doing? What I know what, but what niches are you doing? What service yeah. are you doing? This kind of spawned our podcast interview today. Although I've been wanting to interview Greg, I didn't want to bother because yeah. I bother. He does all these testimonials for me and all this stuff. I'm like, I was I wondering where the invite Greg. was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we saw this, we both responded to this post on Twitter, tax Twitter, about how everyone's moving away from tax into CAS. And I got flustered by it. Greg apparently got flustered by it because we're both huge proponents of tax advisory services, which I'm now calling TAS. I love it. Yeah. And so um, I wanted to talk through like the amazing results that you've seen with that. And then I can kind of support you with the feedback of what I've seen in my own practice and go from there. Yeah, totally. So we work with what we'll say digital business owners and entrepreneurs. So when we say that, what we mean is like we we were kind of ex, more of a exclusionary niche, right? Like we don't work with retail or restaurants or Main Street like inventory. It's all digital, so we have a lot of tech, uh, digital marketing. Those are a lot of the kind of businesses we work with, and then real estate's the other niche we have. So those are the two players we work with. And I think, like you said, Jackie, like the tax advisory is something that like people don't think about a lot, right? They just charge for the tax return, and they don't think about hey, I'm leaving a lot of money on the table by not charging year-round monthly advisory for tax in addition to the client accounting, right? So I think we figured out a pretty good model where the clients are paying a pretty hefty monthly price in which they're getting a lot in return, which includes the bundled in tax returns, but a lot of advisory along the way as well, right? And I think a lot of people make the mistake of just leading with accounting and throwing in tax. You can yeah. lead with both, right? And I, I kind of, in the sales process, say, Okay, what is, what does this person value more, right? Do they value the accounting or the tax more? And that'll lead with that. But you got to charge 
for both. And what, what that's allowed us to do is keep our client count down the revenue high in tax season, not miserable. Right. So like as a company, we only have like 385 tax returns to do. And that breaks up into, I, this year we were really accurate with our projections. It's about like 45% is filed before April 15th, the nice. remainder's extension. So with the amount of staff we have, it's not, it's really not overwhelming. Like the, I think the, the tax staff that has the most returns to do might have like 50 or six fifty five for the whole year. So it, but, and people will ask, well, how does that math work? It's really because the average client value is quite high. Even if it's a, even if it's a uh, tax advisory only client, we, we, I'll give you a unique story, right? We had someone that got referred to us that a smaller business, but they were a great mindset, forward thinking entrepreneur in the marketing space. And she said, you know, I paid 32% tax last year, but it's pretty straightforward business. Didn't make a, you know, a huge killing. And we said, okay, like a lot of it was self-employment tax and she had a lot of planning to do. So she said her CPA last year, the only fee she had was $415. I think we ended up signing her at like 700 and something per month. And like, she initially had, obviously had sticker shock. And she said, wait, I paid $415 last year. I said, well, you also said that you paid X percent in taxes. You were so upset about that. And I said, I'm telling you, you don't have to do that. And here's how you do it. Right. And there's just a personal tax trend at this point. There's nothing else involved. There's planning. And she had the mindset, she said, yeah, I understand the ROI in this, like makes sense. Let's do it. Right. So like we have so many stories like that of people coming in, I'm looking, I cringe at like the $600 tax return before. And if you do a good job in your, in your marketing and your branding, like they'll know that what they're getting into. But I don't think, I think a lot of people are making the mistake of just taking that 600 and saying, I'll charge them 900. Right. And like, great. I charged them more than the last person did versus saying, I'm going to charge them 900 per month. Right. And that's just for the tax. And then you add the accounting on top of that. So I think there is a world of tax advisor right there that is super lucrative and it doesn't have to be a crazy business. It can be you're an S corp with one owner and you can charge them a good fee if you have this model built out. Right. So it's really about just realizing what value you can bring to the table. Right. And so how do you show that value to the clients? Yeah. So one thing that I've been focused on the last probably a year, but mainly since the fall has been something that one of your previous guests, Brandon Hall kind of taught me as well is one to many, right? So what I, what I started to get the, we, when we got to about a hundred monthly clients, we're at about 150 right now. I started feeling a bit of the old clients or the OGs, right? They were like, they missed me, right? They're like, Hey, you're, you know, your team's great and everything, but like, I do miss some of like the intricate knowledge that you taught back in 2019, right? When it was just like me and a few other people. So I said, well, give me an example. And he brought something up and I said, I was like, how do it was, it was something very basic. Like he said something about like bonus depreciation of a vehicle. And he's like, I didn't know you could do that. And I'm like, of course you knew that. I told you that like two years ago. And like, you know, I forgot about it. And he said, my friend told me about it. And I was like, I was kind of offended by it. I'm like, how does, how does, how does my client not know that? And I realized, hold on a second. We got to get this education out there. So we made a huge push now into uh client only weekly strategy, right? So every single week we, we publish strategy, we hired a marketing person, we publish strategies to our client, and then we send them an in-depth knowledge-based article. So starts with the video they get, then if they say, hey, if you want to learn more about this strategy, click here. Then we write out a whole guide about how to implement it, all this stuff. Every single week, these people are now responding, hey, we love it. Give us more, give us more, right? And it satisfies that need of like, I want a touch point. Because I've heard people in the past saying, 
hey, if you charge a monthly fee, they're going to get upset if you don't do something monthly. That is true to an extent. There are certain people that think that you're going to get something every month. I think in your sales process, you make it very clear that that's not necessarily true. But how we solved for it and are solving for it is through one-to-many services, right? So that's one idea. The second idea that's really helped is we're doing client-only webinars with guests. So like we have, um, next week we're doing a webinar with a self-directed IRA expert. Then we're doing one with an opportunity zone guy, a business credit funding source. Like we're bringing all these outside guests in and we're saying, hey, this is exclusive to our clients only. Nice. So we started testing that, right? And now we sell it. We say, when we're selling this service, we say, you're going to get weekly content and exclusive week, uh, exclusive monthly group chats with us, right? With different experts. And people mm-hmm. find a lot of value in that. If they can't make it, no problem. We just, we record it and send it out. So that's one thing we've done. And the other kind of stuff is more core where people would be used to, right? So we do quarterly meeting strategy meetings and how we've solved for that is we, we brand the meetings, right? Like we'll have like an optimized meeting, right? Hey, we're going to optimize. We're going to plan. Like we call them different things. And then that meeting might be, Hey, what's, what's one new idea for this year we can implement one key thing. Like a couple of years ago is like, Hey, section 139 is a new thing. Let's implement it today. Mm-hmm. Now might be, Hey, the secure act 2.0 passed. Let's look at the different retirement options. So we do that. One meeting will be projections. One is kind of the uh, end of the. So we have our four meetings, unlimited communication um, that we've built in with the with the the project management team that handles the client. Um, and we really preach like, hey, bring stuff to us, bring stuff to us. You're buying a property, selling a property, bringing on a business partner. Like, let us know about it. We want to help you. And then we really try to coach the client into asking us questions. So. The advice, and I think when people are even skeptical of the price at the beginning, very quick, they're like, oh yeah, they, they're providing a lot of value just by answering our questions in a timely manner. And one thing you taught us, Jackie, is like making sure the clients are aware of how they communicate with you, right? So like we are sticklers about that. And we say, look, I guarantee you contractually, you'll have no more than a 48 hour response time, right? Business day response time. Mm-hmm. If it's urgent, we, 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 tell you, you have to code it as urgent. And if it's emergency, there really aren't any, but here's how you contact us, right? People respect it. People do it. And our team is, is held to the accountable on that too, right? They know that they have to, they have to respond in those timeframes. And it's such an easy thing to do because what I hear from 98% of incoming leads is my current accountant doesn't respond to anything. I ask them like right. weeks, months, they ghost us. Right. And it's, it's, it's like, to me, that's an effort thing. So that's one of the leading things that we take seriously here is communication, right? Like you can win a client for life by just communicating properly. If you communicate mm-hmm. properly, you can make a big mistake on the tax return accidentally and they're not going to burn you at the stake for it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That relationship's there to it's be huge. transparent. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So not only are you bringing the value to begin with, but you're adding new value propositions as you go throughout the year. But like, how did you originally take off so quickly with when you're like, okay, I get this value pricing idea. What was your presentation like? Like, how did you like show the client and charge five times more than the typical person charges? Well, the first one I ever sent was just press send and pray, but that doesn't work anymore. So <laughs> that's before I met you, I think, but that I, I'll never forget it. Cause I actually did it. It was like a $3,000 tax plan. I was on an airplane flying somewhere and I was like, hit send. And I was like refreshing my email and they accepted it. And I was like, oh my gosh, somebody just paid me $3,000. Oh, wow. You are lucky. Cause I always say never email someone a proposal. Oh no, 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 never. Dollars, right. But that, but back then, like, I didn't know. So um, <laughs> I think what, what was, has worked best for us now, like we use tax plan IQ and we make sure that we show the client, right? Like 
you get, and, and I'm not perfect. We'll get lazy sometimes and not spend time on doing an ROI, but we need to show the client the ROI to the best of our ability and say, Hey, look, and, and I've over the years tweaked our presentation of like where we're going to show it was, Hey, look, here's the value you're going to get. That's tangible, right? Like, and I, I've, I've come to a place now where like, you know, as CPAs, we can't legally guarantee tax savings, but what you can do is, is give them a satisfaction guarantee. So I am yeah. very open and aggressive with that. And I say, look, this is in a way risk-free. I am guaranteed you're going to be satisfied with this and I'll put it in writing. And if you get our tax plan and you're not satisfied with it, you'll get the whole, full refund. No questions asked. It's never happened. I've done that yeah. for years. <laughs> And it works, and it works yeah, well. Same thing. I mean, at Meyer Tax, we always had a satisfaction guarantee. It's never happened that we had to refund anybody. Mm -hmm. But I figured what's fair, right? If we're not able to follow through on our promises, that's not fair for us to collect tens of thousands of dollars from somebody, right? I wouldn't be able to, to sleep with it, right? Knowing no, that you did your job. And not. it motivates me too. Like I, the, the one technical part of the business I'm still in is tax planning. Cause I actually do generally enjoy doing it. And I, I eventually will get out of it, but I do, I do like doing it. So it's a, it's like a challenge for me, right? Of like, I know that there's one special thing for each client that's out there. Like, yeah, there's the eight to 10 core things we do, but there's always one thing, right? It could be a mistake. It could be an, an opportunity to restructure. Like there's something there. I know we're going to find it's going to be big for them. So mm -hmm. we, and every time the client's skeptical, we get to the presentation. I think we probably go overboard with it, but they love it. Right. And they're like, this is way more than we expected. Right. And then I think we do a really good job and on the implementation side of it too, where we're, we're really holding their hands. We've created a lot of guides and like cross your T's, dot your I's. We're giving you all the materials. If there's any service providers we need to bring in, we are liaisoning that relationship, you know, concierge model, right? We're not saying like, all right, good luck. You gotta, you know, Google this now. Like we're like, I got the guy, here's the guy. Let's get on a call with the guy. Your project manager is going to get a call with him. So they feel very well taken care of after that. Right. Um, but the, the point you made originally, Jackie, is I, I heard when I, when I was kind of studying um, the subscription model, Ron Baker, you know, he's a lot to say about this. And one thing that triggered in my mind in the last probably year is that you think about Netflix, Amazon, right? They're true subscriptions. What are they? Why do we not cancel? Because they keep adding stuff, right? Yeah. They have a core. They don't. It's like if Netflix just had the same 100 things on it and it just stayed the same, eventually I would get bored and say, I'm, I'm going to cancel the $12 but they keep adding more. So I said, are we really a subscription or are we just a fixed fee divided by 12? And I said, we need to start adding more, but we can't add more. That's going to take up human time one-to-one, -one, meaning right. we can't add another meeting and we can't add more services that take up human time. So I said, we need to start doing global things. Like, and, and I, and I learned, I learned some of this from Brandon talking to him of like the community, right? So like, we don't have the same depth as he does with his community, but we, we started just kind of, hey, we'll just start with an, a weekly email to our clients that's custom written by us. Then we get into, we got into weekly videos, then in webinars. So like we keep adding on to these things. And like the next idea that we have that we've already started demoing is getting clients in a room together, right? And there's not even a tax purpose or an accounting purpose. It's like, hey, we got a bunch of brilliant entrepreneurs and millionaires and successful people here. And they're always asking me about buying businesses and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, wait, how does Joe not know Mike and Nike not know Paul? And I'm like, we had to get them in the same room. And so we, we tested it, right? So we sent surveys out and people were like, yeah, we'd love to do that like once every other month. So again, we're, we're trying to just keep adding value in ways that doesn't take up our team's time, right? And it go, and I think some people might look at that and say, oh, that's superficial. It goes such a long way. It, it really does because the clients, what I learned is that like at the end of the day, the balance sheet and stuff like that, like they care about it, but they don't, right? They're, they, they care about 
does their business do well? Are they learning more? And are we giving them a ton of value? And if you do that, everything, everything's good. Right. So that's kind of how we've solved for it. And it takes a lot of work, but luckily I freed my time up to focus on that kind of stuff now. Yeah. So I was going to say like, you've spit out so many ideas just in the last 20 minutes or whatever. And someone's probably listening to you thinking, oh, this guy's a genius. That's why uh, he's got it all figured out. But I think there's a different theory here. The theory that I have from what I've seen from you is you literally talk to everybody you know that's an expert in these areas and you absorb like everything that you can from them. Would you agree with I I think what I've said this since like day one, like I just, you can use the word steal or borrow, but like I borrow a little bit of business off from everybody and I- Mm -hmm listen to a million podcasts along the way, right? If it's like, I hear these things, I'm like, that's a great idea, right? And what I've learned too is like, it, it's not even like accounting or tax. I listen to people that are not in accounting and tax a lot of times because frankly, I think most traditional accounting and tax firms are not good businesses, right? They don't run yeah. properly. They don't, they're just, they're just broken business models. So I've always said, okay, if we're gonna, let's run this like a, a company and not like a, Part, big partnership tax firm, right? Like, and so I've, I've had the, always had that mindset uh, first and then starting to take these things I see and like, okay, like a community, right? Like that doesn't exist in most tax firms. And most people say, yeah, you're, why would a client want to like talk about tax? The thing is, it doesn't have to be about tax or accounting, right? It's about sure. business. They yeah. look and, and there's all these different things out there. I was listening to a podcast yesterday and uh, they said that, you know, there's all these surveys that the accountant's the most trusted advisor above a lawyer, above a financial person, above everything, right? And it's like, everyone knows, they ask us crazy questions all the time about stuff that has nothing to do with accounting or tax. Let's give them a forum, right? And like, what, what I've seen Brandon Hall do is like, he has a real estate group, right? A forum. They're not talking about, they talk about tax, but it's primarily about real estate investment, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously there's ways to market his services into that, that mix there. So I've learned is, okay, we need to start building up our community as, as it, it's not 10,000 people, but it's a community, right? And then start adding stuff, adding stuff in along the way and not charging them for it. We charge them, we increase their, their subscription once a year, and they're not going to bark back because they know that, Hey, we're getting a lot of value. We're getting more and more. Yep. We're getting our tax trends done. We're getting strategy one-to-one, but it's all about the other stuff. So I think like innovating your business model is such an important thing. And like, I probably innovate too much, like all the time. We're like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta change what we're doing. But so I, I've slowed down with as well, but yeah. I mean, Hey, it works. It works out. It, it drives it, someone's team insane, but you know, Yeah, no, I mean, I, but I, I think too, from like, even like the, the way that we're set up, right. Like we definitely try to set up in more of a, a, almost like more of a startup structure from an organizational structure. And like, I'll give one example of another thing we did that a lot of people were like, why did you do that? So we hired last year, early 22, we hired a full-time tech guy internally. So he's like, he's like a developer by nature. So the need originally came out of that where we've always been a hundred percent virtual firm. Mm-hmm. And as we scaled, I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with like some of this technology stuff, like back office wise, like I'm sure we're exposed. So I'm like, we need somebody. So I got him as a contractor and he was, he happened to be a uh, brother of a friend I had contracted for a while. Then I was like, he was so busy with what we were giving him we brought him on. And then I, you know, listening to, um, I think another guest who had Jason stats in his group, all the automation world. I'm like, I'm fascinated by the automation world. I'm not good at that though. Like I can't, I can think of the ideas. I'm like, wow, it'd be really cool if we automated that. No clue how to do it. Right. Like I open up <laughs> Zapier and I'm like, this is too much. So yeah, we hired him. 
It's a lot. It's a lot. And I've done them and like, we're getting the errors to the email. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. But um, so we hired him full time as a, as a part one is, Hey, make sure the operations are running from tech perspective, right? We have people domestically in 14 States internationally, like that's security and that's primary responsibility. But number two automations and number three, the, where I think the future of the industry is going is selling the, these, like, I call them like back office financial service, the tech services to clients. Right. So uh, examples. So let's just say that you you come in, you see that the client is like has some really manual bill pay process with Sally, the bookkeeper. They're paying like 50k to scan stuff in every month and like log it in. You can automate that, right? You can you can really set up a system. Where you can automate the scan to the email to zap over to QuickBooks and pay the vendors to bill.com, right? Like it's all possible. And so we've started like testing some of the setup with, with clients saying, hey, look, we have someone on our t- our client accounting team that is a developer, and we see that you're spending a lot of time and effort on like some of this stuff. Can we take a look? We're not going to charge you for it. Can we take a look and propose that with the idea that if we do figure a solution out, it's going to become just an add-on subscription, right? You charge him a few hundred dollars per month to maintain that. It takes no work. So I, you know, he's opened my eyes too to a lot of like, he he's just like, wow, you accountants, like you guys just, most people, you don't think very forward thinking, right? And like all our industry, I think is a little bit behind in the, in the tech world. So so, you know, with, with a thing like that, we're just looking to keep a innovating. Little. <laughs> a little, yeah. And, but I, th- I think our clients want that, right? It's so like, we're sure. going to start doing more informational series for our clients, but like, Hey, are you doing this in your business? Do you know, we can automate this. And I don't even care if it's anything to do with accounting, right? Like I just want to add value to the clients. Hey, are you onboarding your own customers? How are you doing that? Right. You should be automating your onboarding. It should happen with one click. And mm-hmm. Again, it has nothing to do with accounting or tax, but we have the expertise internally to, to teach that. Why not teach it, right? Like, so I think that's where the industry is going. Is like, I don't, I'm not like a believer that AI is going to replace us, but I think we need to start add uh, offering these value add services, right, to to clients. For sure. Okay, I've got so many more questions. All right, let's go back to CAS versus CAS. So, where would your firm be without the tax advisory service component? That's a good question, you know, because I never even thought of that that way. Because so my background, when I was in public accounting world, I, I was you know the typical fifty person like hybrid, right? I was doing tax and audit, but I lean strongly tax. I have my master's in taxation, so like that was my my passion was definitely tax. And so when I started, it was tax, and then it became tax planning, and then I just you know I'm sort of just an entrepreneur first, and I was like, hey, people want accounting services, we got to offer it, and I started selling accounting services on day one. With no way to do it, right? So I was just hiring outsourced bookkeepers and oh, bad idea. But but then I was like, no, this is a the full service model makes sense because so many people would come in and say, Hey, I I like my bookkeeper, don't like my tax EPA. I like my tax EPA, but don't like my bookkeeper, or I have neither, right? It's like, okay, well, you know, the more uh, centric you can be in the client, right? The more value you're gonna give, the more you're gonna get. So so we started offering that along the way. So if we only offered accounting, I personally, I don't think I could do it, right? Because I'd just be, see the, I'd see how much we're leaving on the table. And like my brain is a brain that works. Like everything I, I see something and I'm like, I wonder what the tax, the taxation of that is right there, right? Like I watch the Super Bowl, I'm like, I wonder how much they're getting taxed on this. So like, that's the way my brain works. So I don't think we could never offer it. Um, and I think that they're just a huge, there's a, there's, there'd be so much money left on the table, right? Because- it's very rare that we'd have a client that said that like, I've never sold a client before that said, we only want to do the accounting with you and we're keeping Bob, the tax man, right? Like that has literally never happened in 
hundreds and hundreds of sales calls we've done. It's never come down to that. The inverse has happened where we've taken on the tax advisor and they they love their bookkeeping team. Mm-hmm. No problem, right? Because we we do have relationships with bookkeepers that we love. And we yeah. and sometimes if they're not a good fit for us on the, like we're not great with inventory-based businesses really. Like we do some, but like it's not our expertise. So we have no, we will refer that to a bookkeeper that we know um, or an accounting firm we know that's great at that. Um, but the inverse has not really happened where someone's like, yeah, I'm good with the tax advisory thing. We'll just do the accounting with you, right? So, and why, why is that Jackie? I think it's because, you sh- if, if you explain what it is and you can actually show tangible value of, hey, there's probably between 14 and 18,000 in tax savings each year for you, which is 140,000 over 10 years, compounded at 7% is X. What would you do with that? I think it's a no brainer for most people, right? Now, right. there are the people that frankly will never, that will never make sense to them, yeah. but the majority of clients, that makes sense to them, right? So they will proceed with that. And one thing that I've, found that's really helpful is like we we started with this whole three package model and now we, we pivoted a little bit more to now just like we show our best right so like not the top the best meaning if i have three options which we do internally i'm going to slot them where i actually think they're going to get the best value and we have the other ones in our pockets right in case in case they don't like that but mm-hmm. I like that now because, you know, I think I was overwhelming people originally. It was like, what's the difference between this one and that one? Like that, that and that. Oh but yeah. Now I'm saying, I've look. always just pitched, like, I know there's a difference between me and a lot of coaches with this, but I've always been like, you need to just tell them what they need. Mm-hmm. And then if they have a problem with that, then you can revisit other things or else it's like super overwhelming. Correct. Yeah. That, that's definitely what I found. So we've now just started doing that. Say, so, look, like here's, here's the best option for you. And, and I make sure that it makes sense. Right. Again, I don't want it to be where it's like, they're going to have trouble paying us, right? That makes no sense. Yeah, so sure. we spend a lot of time making sure they're going to get adequate value out of it uh, up front. Yeah. Okay. So have you ever looked at your like net profit margin between TAS services and CAS services? Historically, no, but we're going to be able to do that going forward. So like we, one, one thing I did give up internally is we have like one of our accountants does our firm accounting now or bookkeeping. And he was like, you got to like make the PL more grand there. So we used to just kind of like everything's monthly ACHing here. So it would just go to like a monthly, monthly recurring revenue line item or something, but we didn't break out accounting versus tax. Um, but now we are. So like we're making sure we break out accounting revenue, tax revenue, special project revenue, tax planning revenue, all the different stuff into like, cause I, I want that data. Frankly, I want to know what our margins are for our accounting team, our tax team, because we, we've also, at this point, we're pretty much specializing. Uh, our team is either accounting or tax or not both. Because I found that over time, the hybrid person, although I love someone being a hybrid knowledge-wise, it sucks during tax season. They're trying to get yeah. the client's books done and they're doing tax returns. So, you know, I'd like to see what our margins on the tax side are and the accounting side are. That's kind of that's kind of the goal. My guess is that they're higher on the tax side because, uh, because the subscription-based advisory, like I said, a lot of it's like, bulk services. Um, and you know, the tax return has a fixed cost to it, right? And like, there's a margin built in for that too. But my, my hunch is that the, the margins on the tax set are, are, are a bit higher because the accounting stuff can get bogged down sometimes depending on what kind of client it is. Yeah. So I did a poll a few months ago in the accounting firm influencer Facebook group about what net profit margins people were seeing in their firms. And I was kind of shocked that the majority of people that answered said over 60%. 
which that's like exceptional. So I don't know if that's really true for every single person. So my perspective on that, cause I have mine should change over time, but I, I, I have something written to my left here on my, my window that like the day one, I wrote my goals out and I said, we're always going to have a greater than 55 or 60% margin. But I was like, that's I'm pie in the sky, $10 million, 60% margin. I didn't realize though, as you grow, right, you stop doing the work. And I think what I see in those polls that like the owner is doing hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars of work. Right. You need to and it, that's fine, right? Like some people will always be a tactician at the end of the day and they want to do that. Great. But I do think if you want to scale, you have to account for that, right? So if the if you're producing revenue, you need to you need to back that out of your margin. So as we've grown, absolutely our margins have got, have gone down. But as I say, like, would you rather have you know thirty percent? of 10 million or 30% of a hundred thousand, right? Like it's pretty easy to me or 60% of a hundred thousand. Sorry. Right. So the margin doesn't mean as much to me anymore, as long as it's a healthy margin. And I've actually been really focused on gross margin recently. So I'm trying to figure out what I don't, have you, have you heard of summit CPA, Jody Grundon? Mm -hmm. So I listened to him a bit and like, they, they just sold their firm to some large firm and he's very open and transparent as well. Yeah. He's in um, an accounting, this accounting influencer group that Martin Bissett runs. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, we, I did a course with them a couple of years back and uh, they, he says this all the time. Like they, they hold a like 70% gross margin, meaning their, their cost of direct labor on their client engagements is only 30%. Like that's, that's exceptional. Right. So in other words, if, if you're, if you're a million dollar revenue firm, you know, your st- your wages are only 300K, direct wages are 300K. So like a pretty high gross margin. Um, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm like, okay, that's an interesting benchmark. But then I talked to other people like, just keep it at 50%, right? And you're good. So I've, and I never really paid attention to that. Honestly, I've always been focused on what the net profit is. So this mm-hmm. year, I really try to dial in, like let's, let's pump our gross margins up as high as possible. It all kind of plays into capacity planning. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think that like a healthy margin for a growing large firm should probably be somewhere between 30 and 40%. I think that's fair. And I think that's also difficult. I don't think it's easy because if you hire a head and you hire alternative positions like IT and admin and stuff like that, they're not producing revenue, right? And it's going to sink the margins a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So I want to make a bet with you. you. Once you actually pull out your tax advisory services from the rest on your net profit margin... I've been studying this because for some reason I yell from the rooftops how profitable and happy people are with tax advisory services, but people still won't do it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to the numbers. So I started comparing like, what are the profit margins for bookkeeping, tax prep, uh, outsourced CFO services and tax advisory services. And it's literally this like line straight up based Mm. on what I just described. So, I mean, you're looking at, but there's also that person, the, the person that's running the business factor, like you said. Mm So, um, in a business that the owner is not involved, um, I've seen the like CAS baseline being 30% or so, and then outsource CFO gets up to like 40%. And then tax advisory I've seen getting up to 50%. Mm-hmm. And so what's funny is I worked, I was working with a, a tax fund IQ user yesterday and she was like, I don't know what direction to go with my firm. Should I continue doing retirement tax planning? That's what I love. Should I do business tax planning or should I just do tax prep? And I'm like, well, let's look at the numbers. So we broke down like her 
you know, the net, her net present value, which you've done mm-hmm. at our conferences um, that I think reflects someone's true, like time they've invested in something compared to the net profit that they've gotten out of it. And then we were able to see like, she makes $600 an hour on retirement planning services. She makes 400 an hour on business planning services. And then she makes like $110 an hour for tax prep. And it was just like, wow, like this really opened our eyes. Like, this is what I love. This is my passion. But for some reason, I thought I should still have to do all these other services too, right? Yeah. Uh, look, in, in, a, in an ideal world, I would, if in an ideal world, just have the advisory part of tax. Like, look, the tax compliance part is always going to be like the pinch. If, if there was a way to sell advisory and not do the tax prep, I, I would love it. A lot of people love it, right? But like, you got to solve for that. And I think, again, how we've solved for it is, you charge a lot for advisory and, and we, alloc- I mean, we do charge for the tax return as well, right? We mm-hmm. bundle that in. And if you do that properly, you should have a tax debt that's not overwhelmed, right? Like we work normal hours. We've, we don't do overtime. We don't do Saturdays during tax season. We have, we've had people take vacations during tax season. It's not a big deal because the workload should be fairly balanced throughout the year, right? And like the advisory doesn't stop either. You can't stop advisory for four months, right? And, and we preach that like, you got to be doing tax planning in January and February for the current year, not for last year. Right. And it's the, sure. the mistake that a lot of practitioners make is like, they're, they're overwhelmed from January to May. And then they don't want to do anything till like July or August. Then it's already like the year's like partly gone. Right. So I know, right. I, I, I think without a doubt, the most high ticket profitable thing we do is we call it advanced tax strategy to start. Like it's not even close. I mean, the, the, the return on investment in those are off the charts, like thousands of percent. Mm-hmm. Um, because once you do it so many times, like it's, um, it's very, uh, it takes time. Right. But the, it comes to you very quickly, right. We have a process down. We've, we've actually started now, like getting some of our, our, our core staff trained up on it now. So we can push the work down to them. Right. And we still get to review it more, but the, the return on investment you get from that is incredible. Yeah. Okay. So my bet is that once you do that analysis, um, I bet you it's going to be your highest net profit margin when you add back people's time involved. And then we'll do another podcast interview and we can talk about it then. Love it. Um, okay, cool. So I think we've probably harped on that topic enough. Let's switch gears a little bit with the last few minutes we have. So you were one of the first firm owners that we let into certified concierge accountant program that was brand new in mm. a firm. We used to think that you had to have established processes and procedures for you to get a lot of benefit out of our best practices. But then we learned it's actually the opposite because from like your success and other success of people that were brand new in their firms, how they just skipped all the BS yep. and just went straight to like the top with having all the best practices and everything was like so fulfilling. Um so what you mentioned earlier, you thought you didn't need coaching, then you changed your mind. What made you change your mind? And what were like the best benefits out of coaching for you? Well, I, I thought originally, like, you know, I was like, I got it all figured out. Like we're doing pretty well to start. Everything's fine. And I, when you're first starting, right, like your money mindset's a little bit different. You're like every dollar you spend is different. And then you, you, I think the first investment I made was in the uh, CTC program, right? That's not a that's not cheap. So I did that and I got a lot of value out of it. Right. And then that's when I kind of, I met so many people at that, that I started networking with. And I'm like, okay, like I heard your name or these other people's names that are doing other things. I said, okay, let me, let me look into it more. And as we started adding like my, our first staff or two, and I'm like, whoa, 
there's way more involved here, right? The days of me just sitting by myself at the computer are gone. And this is like a business. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. And that's when I sought help. But, and I think to your point, I didn't have a ton of like quote unquote bad habits, right? Because I know there's right. people that come into <laughs> coaching programs that have like 5,000 1040s. And it's like, it's overwhelms me. I'm like, I don't know what to do either. But yeah. it's like, we started pretty good from the beginning. So I always tell like young CPAs that I talk to, to like, hey, seek help from day one because don't fall into the trap of becoming a compliance bill because you can shut your eyes to, to put money on the table. And the next thing you know, you get 500, 1040s at $400 a piece, right? And you're going to be miserable and it's going to be, it's going to suck to unwind that, right? And like you've seen, you've gone through with a lot of people. Um, so I think it is so necessary from the beginning. And like, I think luckily the education is getting better and like with social media and stuff, like people getting the word out there. But look, it was 2018 when I first started, my original plan was to was to acquire this really crappy tax firm locally here. And like the papers up to the ceiling, and I had like all sorts of bad feelings about it, but I was like, I got to do this. That's how you start. And it's just like, there's another way, there's another way to do this. And there's another way to do it profitably and quickly uh, without being, you know, overwhelmed. So I think starting coaching in the beginning is key. And then with coaching in general, what I would say is that like, you can get coached by anybody. It could be Tony Robbins. If you don't have discipline and implement, you're not, it's not going to work. So I've always taken any sort of coaching really seriously because when I've actually sat down and spent time implemented the stuff, it works. Right. And like, I, I laugh sometimes. He's like, these things happen. I'm like, yeah, I learned that two years ago and I didn't take it seriously. Right. And it's like, it, it's like learn from people that have already been there. Right. They've already been there. And whether you think it's true or not, just wait, because a lot of things end up coming, you know, down the pipe. I'm like, oh yeah, I, uh, I was worried about that happening. So one of my big things now is I like to talk to people that are a little bit beyond, right. Like a little bit beyond me. And I'm like, Hey, what happened at like, um, what happened at like the 15 to 20 person, what happened at, and I always, what I've heard from two or three different practitioners that 15 to 20 people is going to be the awkward teen years. You're going to have a couple of scaling issues. Right. And we saw it last year, some scaling, you know, pains with, with, uh, management. And then it's like, Hey, once you get into the mid twenties to 30, you're kind of on cruise control for a bit. Right. So I want to hear that versus just like, I wonder what's going to happen when I add two more people or I wonder what happens when I get to this revenue mark. I'm trying to learn now, like, let's listen to the person that's already gone through this part of the life cycle. Right. Um, and then of course I love to share that with someone that's a little bit behind me and I want to tell them, Hey, this is what happened to us. I'd be aware of this, right? You be aware of the HR stuff here, be aware of this stuff here. So I think it's just that constant learning model and just talking to other people. And I know you're a big believer in this too, Jack, you'd be like, even sometimes my parents say like, Oh, you know, you share this stuff with other CPAs. I'm like, yeah, there's no competition. Like there's, it's like, there is no competition in this industry. It's like, there are so many clients out there that are profitable and are going to pay you a lot of money. Like I want to help other CPAs, not like compete with them. Right. There's no, there's really not competition. And like, I think that there's an old school mentality that thinks that way. Like I got to hoard this knowledge because my secret sauce, it's like, there's like 700 to one ratio or something like that of clients to CPAs. So yeah, it's insane. Yeah. And especially if you bring like a niche into the, into the market, I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty impossible to compete with that, but that would kind of be my goal with, uh, the industry or I'm sorry, the profession. Sorry. People get so upset about industry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this guy walked up to me uh, after my first keynote a few months ago and he's like, yeah, I liked your uh, session, but something really stood out to me. I don't like when you use the word industry, are we an industry or are we a profession? I was like, that's all you got out of my presentation. Oh boy. That's that mentality though. It's like when people get offended, you don't call it a firm. I'm like, well, 
is it a firm or is it just a business, right? Like, yeah, like I think whatever. We, yeah. Move on. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, um, I, that totally went off on a tangent, but yes, I agree with what you're saying. Now, where do you get these learnings? Like what conferences or books or people that you haven't already mentioned, are you going to focus on this next year to really like continue your education? Totally. So I'm like my education for this year, I'm very focused on like my marketing uh, skills. So marketing funnel, really good book I read. It's called um, $100 million offers, Alex Ramosi. I just read that too. Okay. So he's a freaking genius, right? And I first yes. saw him and I'm like, this guy's, he's literally, I'm 33, he's 33. And I'm like, what does this guy know? And my friend was like, hey, he like, he's like almost a billionaire. And I'm like, really? And like sold this gym thing. So I started listening to him. I'm like, wow, he's really smart. Like one idea that he got gave me in that book that I've implemented already is the concept of a bonus, right? I think a lot of times CPAs are like, they get a little negotiation going like, all right, I'll, I'll drop the price by $500, right? Cool. Versus saying, I'm not going to drop the price, but I'm going to add something else in, right? So, hey, client, I'm going to add in our monthly webinars to your package, which is not at the level you get, but you're going to get a monthly webinar from us now instead of discounting the price, right? Because at the end of the day, it's a value equation. You need to close the gap of perceived value to actual value in the client's mind. One way to do it is moving left and discounting. But the other way, which no one does, the big, very big companies do it, but not our firms don't do it, is you add a bonus and add something on top. Yeah. And it closes the gap. So that book is like been game changing for me as far as the sales and marketing goes. I agree. And um, it's interesting because I think you probably will resonate with this. There's a lot of things he does in that book for any industry that we're doing in our firms because of the coaching we've gotten or whatnot, like offering a satisfaction guarantee. Yes. That's something a lot of firms don't do, but it's something he recommends. It's something that I did at Meyer Tax. And as I was listening to that book on Audible or whatever, um, I was actually driving through Costa Rica a few weeks ago when I was listening to it. And I was thinking about like, wow, I had so much success with Meyer Tax. And it's so hard now restarting as like a SaaS software developer. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the difference? Like, obviously, you know, I, you can be a good technician in accounting and do a pretty, get a, have a pretty good firm, right? But other than that, like, what's the difference? And as I listened to every chapter that he went through, I realized I was doing all of those things at Meyer Tax that he recommends. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't doing any of those things mm -hmm. in my new company. It applies to every business. idea of what a SaaS business looks like versus a firm. And, but it's not really ideal because you don't keep the relationships like you need mm -hmm. to, you had in the firm, you know? Yeah, no, and like what to double down on that that um guarantee thing. Like one thing that I learned about that is like don't just make it the Meyer Tax guarantee, right? You you brand it like the infamous Meyer Tax high net worth executive guarantee. <laughs> like right. it, it, it's true. Like in like so what what we've been doing on the, our marketing uh team recently is like we've been creating more landing pages for very specific niches we work with. Like right within our digital niche. We might, we work with a lot of uh, digital security companies, digital marketing companies. So we're targeting them directly. It's like, Hey, the advanced tax planning process for digital marketing companies, right? Because if like, that's like someone saying, if you, if you try to sell coaching, Jackie and said, it's coaching for business people, they're like, Oh, okay. But when you say it's coaching for startup CPA firm owners with X to X, I'm going to be more attracted to that versus the person that says I'm a business coach. Right. So yeah. it's like the more specific you can be, it doesn't take 
extra work. You just change the phrasing around on your, on your branding. So that book has been like, I recommend it to anyone. I think he sells it for like a dollar too. So, um, yeah, he's very generous with it. His, you know, his idea is like, I help you, you end up helping me because I'll invest in your company. You got to buy our companies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That, that, that's great. And then, um, so his education is awesome, but this year for education, like I'm really focused on like figuring out video marketing, social media, landing pages. We've done a really good job with SEO since the beginning. We have an SEO consultant that we pay monthly and his landing page is like, we get probably 20 leads per month from it. So nice. it works. It works. It's an investment, but it works. So I want to learn more about that and click funnels, Russell Brunson. Like I'm really into that world right now, like less tactical tax and accounting world, more one to many branding in, uh, in marketing. So that's, that's kind of where I'm going this year. Okay. Super cool. Um, so along those lines, are there like marketing conferences you might be attending or there's still accounting conferences that you find a lot of value in? Yeah. You know, I think this year, um, I mean, I'll go to like PASBA conferences and I'll, and I'll, I'll go to come some of the core and we go to, you know, your conference, hopefully we'll be going to again in, uh, the, the various ones we do, which are fun. Um, but yeah, I do want to go to some like non-industry conferences this year. It, it doesn't even have to be like marketing focused. I want to go to more the people we play with, right? Like I've always believed in the idea of like the CPA should be at the non-CPA conferences. Like I think CPAs fall in the trap. Like they only go to CPA conferences, but you should be going to like the dental conference or the doctor conference, right? Like be the odd one in the room. That's where you're going to develop more business. Like I did a couple of years ago, I went to this entrepreneur conference and uh, Austin, like met a bunch of people there. It was, it was cool. So I want to get back to doing more of that. Like the last year I didn't do a lot of uh, conference travel, but that would be the plan for this year. Okay. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I think you've been to every one of our concierge accountant conferences and every time I'm creating one. Oh wait, no, you missed, uh, did you miss one? I don't think I've missed one. There's only been like four, right? Since the beginning. Okay. I, I, but I think we had to kind of rearrange, like, I'm always thinking of you in the back of my mind. There's like five. I was going to miss, I was going to miss, be there. I was going to miss the Costa Rica, but then the date changed and I made it. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. So I've got like certain students that I'm like, these are the OGs that are like really bring people love hearing like what's going on with you and your advice and mentorship. And so I'm always trying to make sure that we plan the conferences around that stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to Napa again this year. And then who knows what, what the fall holds. Yeah. It's, um, it's, they're, they're, they're always good times. And I, I just love getting with other, you know, accounts and learning, Hey, what's working for you. What's not working right here's what's working for me. Um, I think that's where a lot, like, like we kind of started at the beginning, Jackie, it's like, it's just like, you take a little bit from everybody. Right. And, and you, like, I took a lot from you. I took a lot from Chuck back in the day. And it's like, you just learn all these little things. Right. And like, I want to implement that, implement that. And like, then, then you have your own special sauce, right. And brand like, and it's like, how'd you come up with this idea? I'm like, I really didn't. I took it from this person or this podcast or this entrepreneur. Right. And like, I think that's, that's how you form your identity. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Okay. Is there anything else? Um, as we're, we're kind of hitting the hour mark and I don't want to take up too much time. It is the middle of busy season, but you seem pretty chill because of the fact that you found good niches and stuff like that in your firm. Um, anything else that you think like words of advice that you think our podcast accounting listeners might be able to benefit from? I think, yeah, I think one of the biggest things is just like, just be a constant learner. Right. And like, even if you are at the point right now, you're overwhelmed you're like, oh, this, this sucks. There's always a way to pivot, right? Like you've seen enough people pivot. I've seen enough people pivot and 
you know, learn, learn from other entrepreneurs. Don't learn just from tax and accounting people, right? Learn from other successful businesses. And, and, and I think it depends on your goal, right? If you want to really scale a company, I think you got to think that way. Think in a scale, right? Think 10X every single time. But if you just want to just hum along where you're at, how do you optimize that and optimize your profit? So constant learning, like I have lists and lists of podcasts listen to every single week because I'm every single podcast I listen to, like I do learn something on it. So be a constant learner. And then I think the other thing is like, I think a lot of people have been spreading this message in the last year with mental health and like tax season is like, do something every day. Like I, I try to work out every single day, get outside, even though it's miserable here in Boston right now, just get outside, work out. And like, at the end of the day, we're not, it's tax and accounting, right? Like it's not the end of the world. Like I used to be someone that got super stressed out about like, I think I used to send you and Chuck these emails, with the, like crazy client email back in the day. It's like freaking out. I'm freaking up. It's like, I've learned to kind of calm down. Right. And it's like, it's just a human interaction. If they're upset, that's their problem. Right. And like, don't take, don't take everything so seriously. Right. And I think it'll just calm everything down. So, um, and, but that took me years to get to that point and it's not perfect, right. but I, I think it's really important. It's right. You can't live in that like constant, like firefighting mode. Right. And like, if, right. and if you are, you get to fix that internally. And if it happens once in a while, it's okay. But I've learned is kind of like, just chill out a little bit with that kind of stuff. Because I think a lot of, I read this stuff on the Facebook groups and Twitter. It's like crazy client emails people are getting like these battles. And I'm like, yeah, it happens once in a while, but like, don't make that the habit. Right. Like try to take a step back. And it's like, Hey, we're not doctors, right. We're not saving lives. We're doing good stuff. But we're not saving lives. So don't take it that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just interviewed Alicia Pollock, um, who's kind of like a QuickBooks education whiz on the podcast. And she recommended the book, The Four Pillars, The Four Pillars of Agreements or something. And okay, one yep. of them was like, don't take anything too personally. And I'm like, wow, you know, every accountant needs to know this. Um, but honestly, that's something that you kind of have to just learn with experience because the more you get the crazies, the, the less you're like, wow, this you, is- You become numb to it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll you're like, you. okay, this is just them, right? One thing that I'll leave with this is that that conference we went to in Costa Rica in the fall, you'd give them the talk about the glass balls. And I came back and I told a few people about that. I said, like, I've got a, st- I, I'm like the person that like is, was historically diving for every single ball that was about to drop. And like, I've now learned that there are some balls that you have to let drop, right? Like I'll see- certain client situation, maybe going off the rails a bit, like the, the staff's not doing a great job answering the question, but I'm like, can I jump in and save the day? Of course. Is that a scalable thing to do? Absolutely not. I'd rather that the staff, as much as it pains me, I would rather them fail and then correct them and have their managers correct them later versus jumping in and saving the day. And then oh, jumping over here and saving the day, right? The family, friends, loved ones, those are balls you can't drop. The client getting a piece of tax advice that's slightly incorrect it happens. Right. So don't freak out over it. And like, that's been a scaling thing for me is like, I wanted to always be there to save the day. Frankly, it's not possible anymore. There's too many clients. And if I tried to do it, I would go insane. So that was really important speech for me because I came back and said, I gotta, I'm gonna let them drop. They're going to drop. And it's, you know what? It's okay. No, no clients have left. So, so knock on wood, like it is okay. I I really appreciate you saying that. That was probably the most like naked speech I've ever given because it was talking about workaholism and a lot of things that I've suffered through and seen other people suffer through. And then after that, I had everyone kind of individually approach me and tell me their own personal story. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we share that kind of stuff enough um, with mental health and whatnot. So I I definitely appreciate that you got something good out of that. Totally. Totally. 
Now, how do people contact you if they're like, I've got to talk to Greg about something he said today? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm on, I'm in, I'm in the accounting firm influences group on Facebook. I'm pretty active on uh, tax Twitter or LinkedIn. You can find me otherwise uh, email or the, our, our website's gotaxplan.com. And it's just Greg at gotaxplanning.com. Awesome. All right. So thanks so much, Greg. I, this was a really great interview. I wish I could ask you a billion more questions. I say that to every interview, but it's like, there's so much more. We there can is talk so about. much to talk about. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, so we'll just do another one. Okay. I love it. All right, Jackie. Well, good talking to you. Thanks. Bye. listening to the concierge CPA hosted by tax plan IQ. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. If you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program, please visit JackieMeyerCPA.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-C-P-A.com to apply. Please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work. Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.